Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So uh, today's episode is called, um, What is the Meaning of a Face Mask? And it it might better be called, or or more accurately called, Why is Dr. Fauci so frustrated? Um, And I admit this is a very kind of timely episode, and it's, um, I'm making it because this is kind of on, the, on my mind in the news. I'm also making it because I saw a tweet the other day um, about Joe Biden's mask wearing, and the tweet said something like, might as well carry a purse with your face mask, Joe. Um, and uh, at the same time, you know, millions of Americans at this point have been infected with coronavirus. Uh, over 200,000 have died. Uh, Dr. Fauci gets on wherever he can, whoever will let him on TV or podcast or whatever. And he begs people to wear a mask and yet they still don't do it. Some of them at least. And, um, and the pandemic rages on. So I figured I'd make an episode about what's going on, about why people don't wear a mask, um, and what's happening from a communication studies perspective with masks. So let's start with the obvious first fact. The fact is that masks prevent transmission of the coronavirus. They are an effective measure against the transmission and spread of the disease. But, and here's the big but, one of the things I've said on this podcast and one of the things I say to my students, and sometimes this can be a confusing phrase to hear, but the meaning of something isn't a pre-existing property of that thing. The meaning of of something is always an outcome of a communicative practice. And here's what I mean by by that. Um, Well, I mean, with regard to the mask, the Dr. Fauci and, and other health professionals want everyone to understand the mask as a safety measure, as a kind of, um, a a kind of mechanism for stopping the spread of a disease. That's what it means to them. When they see the mask, they see a public health, uh, a public health instrument, but that meaning isn't a pre-existing property of a mask. In other words, the meaning isn't attached to the mask before communication happens. And Dr. Fauci and other health professionals sometimes make the mistake of assuming that they just need to transmit information about a mask to people, and then everything would be fine. So if if people just had the right information about the mask, and the information is the meaning that they assign to it, that is, it's it's a public health instrument for protecting against the transmission of a disease, if they could just get that information to the public, the public would start wearing masks and everything masks and everything would be solved. Well, they're wrong. They're misunderstanding communication. And that's why Dr. Fauci is so frustrated. He doesn't understand uh, the problem of human communication. And here's the problem of human communication. The mask itself doesn't have a meaning that exists prior to our communication about it. As soon as we start communicating about masks, we have um, we have a multiplicity of possible meanings that can be attached to it. Uh, 
And those multiplicity of meanings are in a contest with one another. And they arise because we assign or semi or what I've said in previous episodes, we create a semiotic tie between that thing, the mask, and something else to help us make sense of the meaning of the mask. Um, okay, so what's going on with the mask is that there are at the very least, or I've seen at the very least, three possible meanings that have been attempted to be attached or semiotically tied to the mask. Uh, and they overlap and intersect in all, all sorts of ways. But the first is in that tweet about the, the somebody tweeted, may as well bring a purse with you or carry a purse with your mask, Joe. Uh, the attempt there is, of course, to semiotically tie mask to purse. So the purse helps us understand the mask. What does the purse help us understand about the mask? Well, it's an attempt to feminize the mask, to make it into uh, a feminine thing. What aspects of femininity does the, the purse try to bring our, draw our attention to? Well, weakness and fragility, really. So the mask, and Donald Trump wants us to see this, the mask is a sign of weakness. It means weakness. Um, and the Trump administration has from day one with the pandemic tried very clearly to assign the meaning of weakness to the mask, to semiotically tie those two. So when people see masks, they see weakness, they see femininity, they see um, someone who's not tough enough to handle or to take on the virus. That's why Trump doesn't want to wear one uh, even now that he's contracted COVID. Um, so uh, that is one possible meaning. And if you explore right-wing media for a few minutes, just to spend five or 10 minutes in right-wing media, seeing or reading stories about mask wearing or tweets about mask wearing or videos about mask wearing, you'll see the labor, the communicative labor of tying weakness to mask wearing performed over and over and over again. Uh, the second meaning, again, this is also an attempt by the Trump administration to, to semiotically tie mask wearing to the second meaning as well, uh, is that it's a kind of government instrument of oppression. So if you wear one, you're weak. But also if you, if you know, the, the very idea of one is a sign that the government is taking away our, our freedom and not to be trusted. So um, anti-maskers tried to understand the mask as semiotically tied to freedom and freedom from government interference. So the meaning of the mask for them becomes a kind of um, governmental, um, governmental overreach um, at the kind of a kind of big brother sort of 1984 attempt by the government to curtail your freedoms. And that this is the second thing you'll find in, in right-wing media. If you explore for a few minutes, you'll see the communicative labor of trying to understand mask wearing from the perspective of curtailment of freedoms and government overreach, et cetera. And, and that is the second kind of semiotic tie. So if you wear a mask, you're weak, 
or if you, you wear a mask as a sign that the government is infringing on, on your rights and your freedoms, which we can't have and, and don't want, which are negative sorts of things. So um, opposed to those two, what, what I would call those two kind of principal semiotic ties coming from the right, um, what you have from the left, as per usual, is sort of no or very limited, a, a very limited attempt to create or forge a semiotic tie. Um, really, I think what the mask, for me, what the mask means is that it's an act of civility, it's an act of respect um, and kindness for your fellow citizens, your fellow strangers that you meet in stores or you cross by in, in public life. Um, but very, very, very little communicative labor has been put into creating a semiotic tie that shows that the meaning of the mask is respect and care and consideration for neighbors and strangers and others uh, in your life. Um, Dr. Fauci doesn't talk about the mask in those ways primarily. He starts by saying, look, the mask can stop the spread of the coronavirus. That's the, its functional ability is to do that. But if people understand the meaning of the mask in terms of weakness and infringement on their freedoms, then even if they recognize that it can do the work of slowing the spread of transmission, they still won't wear it because it means these other things. So there, there's no kind of uh, competing patriotic or um, uplifting or positive campaign uh, communication campaign that that forges the semiotic tie around the mask in more positive uh, value-laden terms. So what you're seeing, and this is why Americans continue to, to not wear masks and, and the, the virus continues to spread and it's unlikely to change, you can give, and this is what this podcast is all about, is kind of crystallized in this one example. So you can transmit as much information as you want over and over again to the public about how the mask prevents coronavirus. But transmitting information is not the project of human communication. The project of human communication uh, is producing effects so that meaning is an outcome of a communicative interaction. You're, you're constructing or making meaning in the process of producing effects. Uh, what the, the right-wing media is doing is they are producing a sense of fear, uh, but on the one hand, like fear of government encroachment. On the other hand, they're producing this kind of inspired sense that you don't need a mask because you're tough and you're stronger than the virus. So people actually feel, feel, they affectively feel better equipped to confront the virus because of the meanings that the, the right-wing media are trying to assign to the mask itself. But there's no comparable alternative being offered uh, by health professionals that I've seen at least, um, because health professionals like most liberals are misunderstanding the, the problem of human communication as a problem of just transmitting information about the mask instead of assigning a meaning to it. Uh, if we got to a place in our culture or our society where the mask meant something and the meaning had a value attached to it, and when we saw a mask, we felt affectively something different but comparable to um, to what the what the right wing media has us feel when we see masks, then people would start wearing them, and they they they'd be assigned, um, they'd have a they'd be assigned a meaning that motivated the action of wearing, and and that's kind of where I want to want to go to. 
um, people make a decision. Mask wearing is, is no different than lots of, lots of choices in life. People make a decision. They make a decision who to vote for. They make a decision whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask. Those, mis those decisions are not just products of reasonable calculation. So people don't just sit there and think, oh, okay, I have all the information about masks. Masks will help, will keep me safe. Therefore, I will not. I will. I will use one uh, when when I go out. I've made a rational decision, and I'm going to follow through on that decision. People aren't just rational decision makers. Um, they have to be motivated to act. If they're motivated to act, that action is founded upon an affective feeling, driven by a value. So they know why they're acting in the way they're they're acting, and they want to act that way because they feel committed to that particular action. So right now, anti-maskers know why they don't want to wear a mask because the government's infringing on their freedom and because it's a sign of weakness. Um, and they feel um, motivated to not only just refuse to wear a mask, but in some cases, carry on anti-mask campaigns, which are harming, you know, pub which are explicitly harming public health because the affective feeling that is that is driven by the meaning of the mask um, and the values that that are being clearly semiotically tied to the mask by certain people in right-wing media are um, are the kinds of communicative labor that actually motivate action. So my worry about an exasperated Dr. Fauci is that he just doesn't know how to motivate human action. Uh, because he's not practiced in the art of persuasion. He's a scientist. So he knows the data and the information. Um, and he's frustrated because he doesn't seem to be able to transmit, or sorry, he doesn't, yeah, he, but he doesn't seem to be able to transmit enough information fast enough to enough people to get them to change their behavior. But information transmission is not the engine of persuasion. It just isn't. Um, so every time Dr. Fauci goes on TV or on a podcast or on the radio or in, in the news somewhere and just tries to transmit inf in more information, it's a missed opportunity to engage in a contest over the meaning of the mask. And he is, fails to assign a meaning to the mask that can motivate action in the same way that anti-mask rhetoric or anti-mask communication practices are working on other people. Uh, it is really a colossal failure of uh, health communication practice um, that we're kind of witnessing unfold at the cost of, of thousands and thousands of lives. Um, in Canada, uh, like I live in Canada, it's a bit easier. And I think people do have um, a little bit more of the sense that the value of the mask is a, a, a form of respect for our fellow citizens and strangers. There's more of a political tradition in Canada, I think, of um, valuing uh, actions that demonstrate respect for difference and for others. Um, so I suspect mask wearing is a, has a little bit higher degree of compliance in Canada than it does in the U.S. And also our infection rate is lower and um, our death rate is lower, etc. Uh, so we're doing slightly better, but we're not off the hook because we still have um, we still have others in right-wing media who are still trying to assign the same meanings that American right-wing media is assigning um, in that context. So the, the last thing I, I sort of want to say about this is it was inevitable. Like how we couldn't have known this contest over meaning was going to happen is sort of beyond me at this point. If you introduce a new object 
or a new thing or a new concept into any kind of large culture. And mask wearing was not a culturally common practice at any point in my lifetime in Canada or in the US or anywhere in North America. So the mask is a new thing being introduced into public culture. Whenever you introduce a new thing, if I know in advance that the meaning of that thing isn't a pre-existing property of it, if it's an outcome of communicative practice, then I know there's going to be a contest over the meaning of the thing. And sure enough, there's a contest over the meaning of masks as soon as the FDA and the CDC and Canada Health started saying, suggesting we should all wear them in order to prevent transmission. So as soon as you introduce this new uh, icon or, or symbol or object or thing into public culture, inevitably you get a, con a contest of meaning over the thing. And that contest of, contest of meaning has a great deal at stake with it. And it's not terribly difficult to forge a semiotic tie. There's, I've got earlier episodes of the podcast on semiotic tying, which you can listen to and figure out how people do it, or do it all the time. Advertisers do this all the time. They, they create new semiotic ties that transform them the meaning of something. Um, but the, the government seems to kind of abdicate all responsibility for doing that communicative labor and just they, they seem to just think that transmission is sufficient. Um, but transmission will always lose out to the act of semiotic tying because semiotic tying is a more powerful tool for motivating action and for, for generating or creating meaning when meaning doesn't exist prior to, um, prior to a communicative interaction. So it's kind of sad in certain ways that, um, it, you know, if we rewind uh, seven months or six months uh, back to March, uh, you introduced the idea that everyone should wear masks in, in public because it'll help reduce the transmission of the virus. Um, we had to know at that point what the mask meant would be an open question. It would be a, a, a point of competition or um, a point of uncertainty. And that the process of defining the meaning of the mask would involve competing semiotic ties. And at this point, six or seven months into the pandemic, we still don't have, the, the mask still doesn't mean what it needs to mean in order for us to use it to save enough lives and to diminish transmission of the virus. Uh, if we need to make it mean something uh, positive, something about respect and civility and something patriotic or something noble or something, um, something more inspiring that would motivate action, we can't just transmit information about what it does. Um, while on the right, people are, are trying to make it mean something oppressive and something weak, uh, both at the same time. And they seem to be generate, they seem to be having more success um, than, well, they are having more success than just the information transmitters are having. Um, because too, too many of us are just not, uh, not motivated to act based on information that's, that's being transmitted alone. Uh, I do think some people are, uh, are motivated to act based on Dr. Fauci's recommendations. But even what's happening there is that those people are assigning the meaning to the thing themselves. So they, they get the information from Fauci uh, or whoever, oh, masks help reduce transmission of the virus. And then they make the evaluative judgment that that's good. You know, it's good, it's respectful, it's helpful for, to my community. So they fill in the communicative labor that Fauci doesn't often fill in for, for them. So that's how they motivate themselves to act. But it would be easier if the government just did some of that communicative labor itself. But it doesn't. 
Um, so I think the mask example kind of nicely distills some of the messages of this podcast and some of what I've had to say over years in, in my own work. You know, it's, uh, it's more a matter of the effect you produce than the information transmitted. With the mask, it's the effect you produce by uh, championing it. And, you know, if you can, can produce those effects through kind of emotion and through uh, values, then you're more likely to motivate people to act and persuade them to, to wear the mask. Um, okay, so that's kind of a, a one-off, a bit of a one-off of an episode, uh, and somewhat timely. Maybe that won't age well, or maybe the pandemic will go on forever. Uh, who knows? Um, but uh, I doubt very much the government's listening, so they're probably not going to change their strategy. They'll probably just continue to transmit information about mask wearing, and, and that's it. While the right me- right-wing media will continue to try to, to tie mask wearing to weakness and to femininity and to government oppression, etc. All right. Well, that's it for for this episode. Uh, I'll be back shortly with uh, another new episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening.